Over the next few weeks, we will be interviewing the authors from the collaborative book, The Grief Experience, Tools for Acceptance, Resilience, and Connection, which is set to release in February of 2024. These authors have each experienced their own unique grief journey and will be sharing their personal stories with us. We will also explore the specific tools they used to cope with their grief and how these tools can benefit others who may be going through similar experiences. Grief is a complex and challenging process, and each person's experience is different. By sharing our stories and tools, we hope to provide support, guidance, and comfort to those navigating their grief journey. Each author has experienced different types of loss and comes from a variety of backgrounds, beliefs, and experiences. As a result, they offer valuable insights and perspectives. We are honored to have them join us on this podcast series and to share their stories and tools with you, our Path 11 podcast listeners. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PAP 11 podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here today tuning in, and I'd like to introduce you to my guest. Her name is Cheryl Nix, and she has lived in Oregon her whole entire life, and she was a registered nurse for 30 years, and at 55, she decided she was going to go back to school and get her master's degree in social work. She realized she wanted to keep working as an older adult, and have a private practice as her encore career. Now, I came to meet Cheryl through the Grief Experience book that I am going to be co-authoring with her and 24 other authors. And our book is called The Grief Experience, Tools for Acceptance, Resilience, and Connection. So as you guys know, at this point, I have been interviewing all of the authors, getting to know them, because we're all talking about death. And we're talking about grief and we're talking about bereavement and different types of death and different types of grief and trying to offer people tools. So, you know, in the grief world, people usually write a book and it's about their experience. But this is a really unique book because we're covering such a large spectrum of different types of loss and grief and have so many tools for you guys to have in this book. And one of what Cheryl's topic is going to be is about delayed grief. So we're going to learn about that today and also learn about her story and her experience with grief and what delayed grief is all about. So Cheryl, welcome to the Path Loving Podcast. Yeah, thank you. So glad to have you here. So I haven't been to Oregon, but there is a, a person that we became very good friends with, and her name is Terry Daniel. She's been on our podcast, and she also runs the Afterlife Awareness Conference, and she lives in Oregon now, and she actually held a pretty big conference there last year. So that might be somebody you might want to connect with. And yeah, I think uh, I've heard her speak, actually. I bet you point. have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So she's a really lovely person. And so you were initially a nurse for 30 mm-hmm. years. So what type of right. nursing did you do? What was your experience there? Well, mainly I ended up working at 
the local hospital for 10 years, and that was mostly surgical floor, post-op, recovering patients. And then be, I had a, our second son was premature, and I just needed to be with him more, have no evenings or weekend time. So I ended up going to work in clinics locally, just because it worked better for my schedule to be Monday through Friday when he was little. And then I, that um, I floated a little bit in that, and then I ended up in more physical medicine and rehab. But at, and then what the switch from nursing, what happened, I just felt like there was a lot of emotional support needed that wasn't being looked at. Of course, that's changed more and more because this is years back, but that became my interest to look more emotional and mental health direction. And so kind of did a process of getting my skills back up computer-wise because my age, I hadn't been in college for 30 years. So, and then of course I had to apply to a master's program. There's only one social work program in Oregon out of Portland. But once they brought the distance program to Bend and the, that was when I decided to sign up and I got into the program. Great. So you were feeling yeah. as a nurse that there was just a component of the mental health and emotional support that really wasn't being given to patients in the medical field? Right. At that time. I mean, like I said, a lot has changed. Yeah. And I, and I think some personal work made me look at that too and thought, you know, boy, there's a trauma here. There's more going on underneath. So that's what changed my direction to want to do more mental health. Right. So the mental health that you're doing now, are you also specializing in grief or is grief just one component of the services that you're offering? Well, I, I do grief counseling. And then I, I, the other thing I am involved with is doing trauma work with EMDR as a you know tool for that a technique. The I did so when I my goal when I finished my master's program, I wanted to go to work for a hospice. I just that was because my mom was on hospice. I had wanted to try that in my work with a you know organization. So I ended up working for three and a half years on the coast for a hospice, and then I came back to Central Oregon where we are now and worked for three and a half years. So you know there. I've done, you know, bereavement counseling. I've done grief support groups and, you know, individual work with grief. Great. So let's let's take the audience through your personal story and okay. why you decided to select the topic of delayed grief and how you're able to relate to that and write about that in our book. Okay. So when I was 19, my dad went in for a major surgery. And only surgery he'd ever had, but the 24 hours he had an artery surgery, which back then they hadn't done as much work with that. And little did they know how much arteriosclerosis he had. So they he had the surgery and 24 hours after his surgery, he cardiac arrested. And so... Somebody was at the bedside, they revived him, but he ended up with, he threw a huge blood clot to his brain and he was paralyzed on the left side. And so that, you know, he ended up in intensive care with a trach and unable to really communicate with us because of the trach. And from there, we felt 
because he had, he was in his late 50s, he was 59, and had three kids, all of us teenager, one, and then my brother was out of the house, married and out of the house. But um, he, we just saw from his, the look in his eye and what he chose to do, he refused to do the exercises to keep his lungs clear or do the exercises. Because basically, I think he had seen his father suffer a stroke and be in a nursing home for years, that he did not want to live like that and put us through that. So he quit fighting and within two weeks, he passed away. Wow. That's really quick. Two weeks from the surgery? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So So um, as this 19-year-old, how did you handle that? Did you not handle it or just ignore it? Because we're talking about delayed grief here. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it. It was devastating. It was so difficult to watch him, you know, in that situation, you know, and he cried often. It was just terrible to see him, his emotional status and how things were. And just even when the alarms went off, the heart monitors stuck to him, you know, if they came undone, the alarm would go off. And you could just, I could see the fright in his eyes and actually had nightmares about that for years. So when, you know, that's a sudden death, considered a sudden death because it happened so fast and no preparation for that. And he was, you know, a businessman, very active in the community, in a small community. And so it was just shocking, the experience. And so which with grief, you know, a lot of people go through feelings of feeling numb or, you know, confusion. It was very confusing. I just felt like I was a robot for a long time, just walking in a daze after that, just because hard to realize this vibrant man was gone. So, yeah, and so quickly. And so when you were kind of walking around in that daze, kind of feeling numb, like how many years did that last for you? Well, the real, the numb part, I I don't know, a couple years maybe for that. But with the delayed grief in which, unfortunately, for our culture, lots of times people will say, just get over it or you should be done with, you know, grieving. And that I had a summer job and went back to work maybe a month after that, or maybe it was two months. But I remember, you know, people saying that, you know, you've got to move on in life. And I never actually had anybody that encouraged me to cry and talk about it at that time. And so, I mean, I even in the summer, I remember my boss, I called in sick a couple times. And I remember her sitting me down and saying, you can't, you have to move on. And so there are all these messages kind of to stuff it and not to deal with it, not to look at that. Mm-hmm. And so when did you start to look at your grief and work on the trauma of this? So it, well, a long time. And so it was a long time until I got to that. And that's where, you know, my interest in talking about delayed grief. So I went back to school after, you know, that summer job and went into nursing and did a two-year nursing program. And then I ended up, when I went to work at the hospital, I 
found myself in situations where people were losing a family member or even hearing a heart monitor, the the alarms go off. And so I had the like a trigger back that would jump me back to that experience. And um that, you know, was difficult to deal with. And I and then and then I, you know, I realized I had really underlying depression. And so not until 12 years after that, losing my dad, did I finally, you know, realize something's wrong here. I need to deal with some things. And so that's when I ended up finding a, a licensed clinical social worker who was wonderful and had done some work with hospice and grief. And that's when I started my grief work. Wow. So your dad passed away when you were 19 and about 32. You were uh-huh. about 32 years old yeah. when you started the grief work. Yeah. yeah. And so how did you handle without doing any therapy and stuff, you know, moving through your nursing career and, you know, having to be triggered or have those triggers, you know, because it sounds like you found a way to cope 12 years until you finally said, okay, I need to, I need to address this. Yeah, I don't, what helped me, I think probably I did, you know, some running and I did some walking, which was, you know, helpful for me just to reflect. But I I didn't have much in the way of coping. And that was, and, and you know, as years go by, then people are less and less to understand that you want to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes, you know, okay, there's something wrong with me. I'm not normal. Why am I feeling some things? So, you know, without good education, I I don't think I coped. I think I just, you know, and that's where the depression came in. It's like, okay, what's wrong here? You know, I'm not dealing with something. Uh, Now, in your clinical practice, it sounds like you uh, got trained in EMDR. Did you experience that as a client with your therapist in helping you through the grief process? I did. And so, and that, and that was back when even, you know, basically it was just coming into practice and my therapist once, you know, I, we'd, I developed rapport and trust with her. She said, well, there's this new technique and I think it would help you with your grief and some other trauma that I had experienced. And so um, that was huge to have that component along with it. So, yeah, very helpful. And I I don't ever like to assume, even though we've talked about this technique before with other right. guests, but I always have to assume that somebody is picking up this episode and listening to the Path Love and Podcast for the first time and might uh-huh. be new to EMDR. Can you explain what the technique is and what the EMDR stands for? Yeah, yeah. So EMDR, no wonder they call it EMDR because uh, it's long. It's long, <laughs> yeah. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And so Francine Shapiro, who did the research and started that, discovered when she was walking on a path that her eyes going back and forth, she had something distressing going on in her life. And once she had gone on this path and her eyes had moved back and forth, she thought, wow, you know, it's not as severe or intense. And so she started researching and discovered, you know, similar to rapid eye movement, which we process things in our sleep, that that rapid eye movement helped her process. And so she went on to do work with, I think, veterans and sexual abuse 
uh, victims. So now doing eye movement, you know, people, some people use a light bar where you look at the light, go back and forth. You can have headphones where there's a ping back and forth, or you can do hold pulsators or calipers that you feel, you know, vibration back and forth. And all of those, you know, make the brain do the rapid eye movement. And so, you know, it, it turn, you know, allows people to look at an image from past, present, you know, or current, I mean, you know, past and current to see if there's a problem with that issue. And then you do the, it, you know, it, it can decrease the intensity of whatever it's distressing for you and trauma. And, and then it's used for a lot of different things, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great tool. I've used it personally for myself and in my grief process and trauma and all of that. And it just, it's amazing. It really, I feel like gives people's life, their life back again in some ways. And, uh-huh. and the other really cool thing that I learned about this year, and it was through Kelly Doherty, actually, who's helping us, you know, with this whole book and that, that we're writing here with everybody. She brought a book into work one day and it was all on induced after death communication using EMDR therapy oh, okay. by Alan yeah. Botkin. And so I had the chance to also find the person who co-authored the book. And they're a part of our documentary that we're working on on, on after-death communication. And it's, it's pretty phenomenal. So, and kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, have you ever had any after-death communication with your father since he's passed at all? Or do you feel like you get any signs from him? Or I Actually, you know, it's funny because uh, I'm trying to think how many years back... Anyway, he had a brother that moved to Oregon from California and wanted to, they they grew up in Oregon and he, this uncle had been in California all his life and all his working life, I should say. He came back to our area and I had a chance to, you know, get to know him and spend time with him. And then when he passed away, it was funny because I was, I think I was showering to go maybe to the funeral or shortly after he died. And I felt this presence of my dad. And I mean, this will bring tears to my eyes a little bit because I said, your brother's coming to meet you. And so I just, it was such a strong, so I feel like there was a presence from my dad at that time. And and they were, there were four boys in the family. And I think my uncle always loved telling the story that, you know, because they had to share a bedroom and share a bed that my dad was how he kept warm because they'd cuddle at night when it was cold, you know, so I knew how close they had been. And, you know, so that no surprise that I felt that presence that my dad was in the room. Absolutely. So, yeah. And that yeah. that's one of the, the known after death communication. It's just this feeling, this, this, uh-huh. the feeling of presence, you know, that uh-huh. they're there. Now, did your mom also pass? She did. She did. So yeah. so when her passing came, having gone through this grief process, having met a therapist in your 30s, did your mom pass before your 30s or after? She passed when I was in my 40s. Okay. Yeah. So did you handle that grief differently? Were you more aware or willing to kind of work with the grief and meet the grief as opposed to having it delayed? Yeah. Yes. Right? You know, and and with her, because and I, I can compare because very different deaths because she, you know, 
she had ended up with Parkinson's. She ended up having open heart surgery. She, she fell and broke her hip. So she was in a foster home and just slowly, you know, dwindled. And, you know, then she had trouble with swallowing and had some issues with fluid and stuff in the lungs and ended up getting pneumonia. But so with her slow demise and her health changes, she passed away 23 years, I think, after he had died. And so we talked a lot, you know, after I had done my work about our, you know, her husband and my dad. And then with her, just talked a lot about, you know, what was ahead, what was happening, you know, so definitely much different. There was a lot of, you know, anticipatory grief with her just because we knew, you know, even especially after she fell and broke her hip, that that was, she just slowly got worse. And yeah. Yeah. So that's just a good example too, that like, you know, the way that people die can create a totally different grief experience, Mm -hmm. you know, that, Mm -hmm. that, that carries some weight in the whole process of, of, grieving and you know that when you go through one like it can be very different you know just mm-hmm. you know even the dynamics of the relationship you know can change the way that the grieving you know process is handled or goes through you know the person goes through so i would say that there's never like two deaths alike you know and some people will be shocked like oh i responded this way to my dad and this way to my mom you know almost mm-hmm. like you might be expecting that you might have the same reaction or the same feelings or emotions. But mm-hmm. I have found that that's just not the case. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I and even with my hospice work, you know, going into homes, you really see, you know, how different can, it can be for a lot of different factors. Yeah. Yeah. So I know in our book, we're all trying to offer the readers a tool And we're pre-recording all these interviews before any of us have started writing. And some of us are like, well, maybe we'll write this, but we'll see what the publicist says. So what would be a tool that you could offer our listeners if somebody is also experiencing some delayed grief or, you know, it's been a long time since they've really addressed the loss of somebody in their life? And, you know, what's the tool that can help them or a tool that could help them begin to start that journey? Well, I haven't thought a whole lot. I mean, this is, you know, my idea at this point, like a lot of us, you know, things may change as we get closer. But, you know, the tool is just, you know, I think to find a therapist or, you know, to talk to or to go to and get that. Because I think just building trust and being able to talk about it to begin with, you know, so many people like I said, stuff it and don't talk, you know, they just move on in life. So to find a therapist to talk to and have that opportunity to share those deep feelings, you know, to be able to cry in a safe, confidential space. So that at this point, but I'll probably do some ideas or think of some other ideas that were helpful for me that I can turn into a tool for people. Right. Well, great. Well, I'm looking forward to reading your chapter and seeing what you come up with. Now, for our listeners, um, for your private practice, because you're in Oregon, what part of Oregon and are you accepting new people into your practice or are you full? Um, So I'm in Central Oregon and in a small town called Bryanville, which is outside of Bend. Um, At this point, I'm not um, 
accepting new clients um, just because of my age and I'm trying to do a little more work from home. So I'll probably keep on my telehealth um, clients and then um, um, the book. And um, I'm also, you know, hopefully this will start in the fall. I think everything's in the works for it, but to do an art um, mental health gathering thing locally with the county health department, we're going to start that in the fall. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Our art was a major component for me in healing my grief. So I'm all about bringing art to communities. That's why. Well, Cheryl, thank you so much for being a guest on the Path 11 podcast. And I'm excited to be part of this book with you. And so if any of you are interested in purchasing the book, we will put that link in the show notes. You'll go over to my other website, which is hannashealing.com slash grief experience. And so we'll put that in there for you if you would like to pre-order or order that. And the book is scheduled to come out in February of 2024. So I hope that you guys have learned a little bit more about grief and what delayed grief is. And I'm sure some of you may be able to relate and, you know, really hope that if you stumble upon this podcast and maybe you have delayed addressing your grief, that this is your sign to start to look at it, address it, get in touch with somebody, read some books about it and just start on your journey because I know it can seem scary, but It's so rewarding once you begin to move through it and you can kind of really lift some of that heavy energy off of your soul. So thanks again, everyone. So glad that you tuned in today and I hope you're having a great day. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.